everyone, and welcome to Minute 52 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Hal Bryan of the Rocketeer Minute, and I really appreciate, Hal, that you're taking time off of your busy day as you're, you're flying around Oshkosh and, uh, you know, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about Die Hard 2. So welcome back, Hal. Well, it's great to be back, Rob. Uh, this is, you know, it's so much fun to sit and talk movies and nerd out a little bit uh, with anybody who's like-minded. So having a great time so far. Cool. Great. I, I, hopefully that, that'll continue all week and hopefully, you know, all, all the listeners will also enjoy themselves, you know, listening to our conversation. <laughs> so Minute 52 begins with Khan continuing his update, ends with John responding accordingly. So yesterday we we ended things, you know, John and, and Barnes were trying to figure out, uh, you know, how to unscramble the millions of possibilities on this uh, walkie-talkie. And then we're back in the church. And then we have, uh, you know, Dick Gordon show up. And uh, not the Dick Gordon that people are thinking when they think of Robin, but the, the real Dick Gordon, <laughs> the Apollo 12 astronaut. From, from the Earth and Moon. And to understand what we're talking about, you have to listen to yesterday's episode. Uh, <laughs> hint, hint. And so the Khan shows up and uh, continues to explain to everyone around him what, what's going on. And he says, uh, we just monitored a call from their chief engineer. Our people took out their SWAT team completely. And then Garber looks over and goes, you were right. They went for the antenna array. We're right on schedule. So first of all, I, I like the fact that they're they're showing us that you know how in tune these this this whole team is. They have everything set up except for John McClane. You know that that's the the uh, you know monkey in the wrench, as as John said in the first Die Hard. You know right. the, every they have everything completely planned out really well. They know what's going to happen. They they know that they can monitor uh, Barnes's conversation. I, uh, we'll get we'll talk a little bit this this minute as to how actually they're doing that because it's a little confusing uh because he's apparently on a cell phone and we know a little bit more about cell phones today than people did 33 years ago when they made this movie <laughs> right. you know how are they monitoring this call i mean they can monitor i guess if he's calling on a cell phone so he must be calling another phone or something you know in in the control tower so therefore they're going to be able to hear it okay I, I can sort of, I can sort of buy that. You know, they've tapped into the phone lines in the in the tower. I, you know, but you would also think that maybe, you know, w we never see anyone on the other side of that of that call. So, you know, is Trudeau speaking, you know, to him on a phone? Is it on a speaker? Is it on a cell phone? You know, we we'll, we never know. So, if any of those things, it could be. You know, if it's just a cell phone to cell phone, then as we know today, it would be much difficult for them to to monitor a call like that. Uh, not impossible. Oh, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, but, we, we but, talked yesterday about about uh, scramblers and things, and I was talking about uh, people with police scanners. Um, right around this uh, this time, it used to be that if you had a police scanner and you knew which frequencies to listen for, you could pick up phone calls I mean through without really even trying sorry early cell phone calls and I remember very uh, very vividly being over at a friend's house who had a police scanner and you know they set it uh, toward uh, a, a new block of frequencies they didn't normally monitor and 
after about 10 minutes, sure enough, we heard uh, sitting there listening to somebody's phone call. It's just, you know, we weren't proactively trying to do it, but it would have, it was technically illegal as could be. But cell phone signals back then and cell phone calls are actually very easy to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, back then, but today they're probably back a then. little, right. I, I don't think you'd yeah, pick them up on a police scanner these now. days. Yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Because you have to remember your four-digit or six-digit PIN. You know, so. Yes, exactly. And there are, uh, what, dozens of combinations? Yes, of course. <laughs> as long as you're not using one, two, three, four, five, six. You know, so you're, you're good. Right. So, so then, um, you know, Stuart looks over at them and says, losing our team wasn't part of the plan. Now, when does someone make a plan that they're going to lose part of their team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I mean they go into it thinking, okay, we, we can allow for some attrition. We can have contingencies in case we lose somebody. But yeah, but yeah otherwise, what it, that's, just, that's it's, it's not really part, overstating the obvious. That's right. I mean, again, if you talk about what happened in Die Hard 1, I mean, you have Johnson and Johnson say, okay, you know, we can we're we're willing to lose 20 25% of the hostages you know i could live with that right but <laughs> it's not your men basically that type of thing you know because again he only has there're only a dozen of them you know if you if you think about it there's a dozen of them and five are dead okay so there's seven guys right now that are taking care of all of this uh which which is just mind blowing that seven guys can take control of like, like okay so you, you know a lot about aviation, okay? A control tower the size of Dulles, can seven people or six and a, and a leader and a commander uh, control everything easily with probably little to you know, no training? <laughs> right. With, yeah, the, the training piece of it is is huge. I mean, that's, you know, I think that's that's one of the, uh, one of the bigger holes. I mean, I couldn't honestly tell you off the top of my head without checking with... Uh, with another buddy of mine, um, Chris Henry, who did the Apollo 13 minute mm-hmm. with Jim O'Kane. He's a former traffic controller. Um, so he has much better hands-on insight than I do, but it 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 seems it seems like a stretch. But the the training aspect of it is what would just make it, you know, completely, completely implausible. Yeah. Well, come on, they've been they've been training for three, four days. You know, they they knew that <laughs> that, that Esperanza was going to be moved. You know, I mean, we talked a little bit about this, uh, I think, last week or the week before, where, you know, they didn't have that much time to plan on this. So, you know, right. the, unless unless part of what their team does is, you know, deal with taking over uh, airport, you know, like little airports during coups or something like that. You know, it, it is possible. You know, right. that, with that, the way their equipment looks, and they've got these sort of modular stations with <clears throat> radar and computer terminals and CRTs, it does kind of look like it's, you know, it's something that they could sort of package up and then bring in. And, and you know, there's certainly military precedent for temporary traffic control facilities under hostile conditions and stuff. So I could kind of buy that, that uh, you know, this is a, a group of people who is you know maybe sort of able to do that um but it's interesting though because they oh i might be getting ahead of myself but we're talking about not just the tower but uh you know they're pretending to be dulles approach which is a whole different the facility it's usually in a whole different building that might be miles and miles and miles away from any airport okay 
All right, Izzy, we're, we're, you're right. We will get into that because uh, a, a little spoiler, the, the, the script deals with that, but the movie doesn't. You know, the movie glosses over that idea. That's a completely different, uh, oh, interesting. different person speaking. But we'll, 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 we'll get there later this week. All right. So apologies. I thought really. No, that that's okay. Hal, it's fine. It's, 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 it's great. It's great. It's, <laughs> it's not yet. Not in this minute. Because in this minute, he's, you know, right now we're going to have Stuart talk, but it's only to the tower. You know, he's not talking yet to any of the planes. Um, and then we, we see him go over to what looks like a phone line. And then punches in, and if you really spend five minutes scrolling back and forth, you can figure out that it looks like he's punching into the phone 5877. I have no idea what the significance is of that, but that's what he <laughs> seems to have uh, you know, pushed in. And then uh, he goes, attention, Dulles Tower. Attention, Dulles Control Tower. Mr. Trudeau, I know you're listening. Unfortunately, you're not obeying. And then we get a shot in the control tower and we see Trudeau and he goes, try me face to face and we'll see, <laughs> which it's really funny, you know, hearing him, you know, talk this way, you know, that the, he's giving a tough response to nobody because nobody can, you know, obviously Stuart can't hear him. But I mean, what I like is the fact that Stuart knows the name of the, you know, head of the airport. You know, he knows that it's Trudeau. He knows that Trudeau's the guy he spoke to. So again, he's done his homework. That's true. This isn't just yeah, what you would expect from somebody yeah, like this. Exactly. But... but again, they don't have that much time to 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 plan for this whole thing because you know if you think about it, how much in in advance is it decided that Esperanza is going to be extradited? You know, and when their plane is going to go, and is the plane going to go to Dallas or National? You know, it, it could go to right. either of the airports. So, you know, they, they were able to get their, their info and, you know, use their, whatever intelligence they, they have, uh, the intelligence information, uh, to, to find this information out. But it's not like they know this weeks in advance. This is something that, that is days, if not hours. I mean, you'd, you'd think they would have kept this a little bit more of a secret. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, security is not very impressive at no, this point. No, not at all. Not at all. You know, yeah, come on, it's pre nine eleven. Every no one, no one was planning on doing anything. No one, no one thought that these type of things could happen. You know, yeah, that's fair. Not, yeah, and uh, then you, you want to talk about things that have changed? My gosh, the whole atmosphere around airports and commercial air travel, pre and post nine eleven. Yeah, of course. That's really underscored here. Yes. Uh, well, it's it's underscored from the fact that you know that there's so many things that you know that 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 goes on in this movie or in any movies at this time. You know how how close you can get to the gate if you don't have a ticket. Uh, you know, like what what you where you can be. You know, just just little things like that. What you're allowed to carry with you. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you know absolutely. they but they have fake porcelain guns. So you know that that's something that you can you know even post 9/11 you can use fake porcelain guns. You know, because because they don't exist. Exactly. <laughs> so, and then uh, you know they give us a shot of of John and Barnes both listening into this conversation via the cell phone. So this is the thing I mentioned before. How does that work? How does that work? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's well, in, you know this the phone setup that he's using. I mean, it looks like. 
it looks like one of those, like a modern version of sort of an army, you know, field phone. And, and as you said, maybe it's sort of connected directly into physical phone lines and stuff, but, but it's, it's over the, you know, over the speakers in the tower. And then, and then we're, we're listening just on a cell phone. And I think I, everybody just anybody who's near a speaker of any kind is just somehow magically hearing this conversation. Right. Right. And and I love the way that the Barnes picks up the phone to listen in and then John like grabs the phone away from him. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm the one who wants yes. to listen to this. <laughs> but again, right. I guess I I guess we're just gonna have to, you know, uh, assume that that there's some way that that this cell phone is picking up the this information. You know, it's it's able to pick it up. I don't know. Right. Yeah, this is a movie that asks you to make a lot of assumptions. Yes, and that's one of them. Mm -hmm. Correct, and that's part of the fun of it. You know, you know, it's it's the suspension of disbelief Absolutely. for for this type of thing. I mean, a friend of mine told me years ago. He said, when you watch a movie, you have to believe that in their world, that's the way things work, and that's it. And that, and right. once you do that, you're like, okay, it's not our world. In our world, things would be different, but in their world, okay, it works. They have cell phones that can listen into what's going on in the tower. Right. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> and I absolutely agree with that. But for me, you know, the the movie has to earn that for me. Correct. No, and I agree. It's gotta be it's gotta be good enough that I'm willing, uh, willing to do that. Um, you know, as long as uh, as long as I see that the effort's there, then I'll just I'll kick back, relax, and be entertained like everybody else. Okay. And this movie fits into that category for you? Uh, it did <laughs> when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> this one hasn't, uh, to me, hasn't aged nearly as well as the first one overall. Okay. Um, it's just the, the holes are just too, too big and too impossible. Do you think it's because, uh, do you think it's because you have firsthand knowledge of aviation and stuff like that? Do you think that, that. I think that's got to be a big part of it. Mm -hmm. um, and. I think that's that's part of it. Some law enforcement experience probably informs uh, informs a little bit of it. I still have a ton of fun watching any of the films, but I somehow for me there's just a big drop from from the original uh, to this one, and then the, the the sequels that follow. Okay, I mean there are plenty of flaws in the first one too, but you know as Absolutely. as as you yeah. know the reason we do these minute by minute is is. You know, not because we're looking for flaws to make fun of the movie. The exact opposite. We're yeah. we're just looking right. to have a, a hell of a fun time talking about it. You know, and you point Absolutely. out you point out things that don't make sense, and you try to find uh, some reasoning for how it works. Right. Exactly. You know, what were they What were they thinking? What went into the creation of it? And and uh, I hadn't watched it in quite a while. I've seen the first one many many times over the years, and haven't. I haven't watched this one in, in ages and it was a ton of fun to go back and watch it again. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to help you do that. So <laughs> that's well, and I, I owe you for that one, Rob. All right. That was good. Sounds good to me. And then, uh, Stuart continues talking and says, you were warned not to try to restore your systems. You've wasted lives and precious time on a, on a futile and obvious target. Now you're going to pay the penalty. So what, <laughs> Do you know like the official definition of penalty, like what that means? I, mean, I know what the what the term means, but I don't know the etymology of it off the top of my head. Right. Okay. So first of all, it, the 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 definition is a punishment imposed for breaking a law, rule, or contract. Um, I mm -hmm. I guess in this case maybe they're talking that is breaking a rule because you know Stewart gave them 
rules that they had to follow in order to do it. Even though, again, you know, we right. can go back and say, well, if they had actually paid attention to his rules at the beginning, they could have just sent all the airplanes to other airports, and that would have been it. You know, <laughs> now, the movie would have been a lot shorter. <laughs> That's granted. true. That would. Yes. I mean, you think could have just all wrapped up right at the beginning. That's right. You you think that even in 1990, the the, the protocol was that if you if something like this happens, you if you get a chance, you divert all aircraft, and that's it. <laughs> right. You don't say and, go to the outer marker. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. There's and there's so many other airports to choose from, and I mean, some of these airplanes would have had enough uh, enough fuel to I mean to make it. Uh, practically to Chicago or someplace, That's you know, right. <laughs> way, way out there. That's right. <laughs> right. So the oh. the term originated in the 16th century, um, and it comes from the the Latin word uh, polonalitas, which basically uh, comes from the word meaning pain, which is interesting because penalty, you know, uh, comes from pain. So, you know, I guess the yeah. So yeah, and then uh, you know, John, for some reason or somehow, John is able to get in on this conversation, you know, which is which is great. <laughs> it goes back to what we were saying before. It makes no sense in our world, but I guess in their world, you can then talk on the cell phone and everyone can hear you. You know, everyone in the yes, tower exactly. and uh, you know, Stuart can even hear you in in the church. You know, even though he's a few few blocks away, but he can still hear it. And John goes, I got five dead officers down here, Colonel Stewart. Isn't that penalty enough? And then stupidly, Carmine, uh, you know, flips the, the switch for speaker by him and goes, McLean, you keep out of this. You've been nothing but a pain. And then he gets like a dirty look from uh, from Trudeau. And Lorenzo realizes that he just made a big mistake. You know, but it. You know, it, it reminds me of the idea that, you know, nowadays we have similar issues that sometimes, you know, instead of hitting reply, you re you hit reply all. You know, that's probably the closest, yes. <laughs> the, the closest, uh, you know, modern analogy is uh, reply and reply all, as opposed to, uh, you know, for, for what, uh, you know, Lorenzo is doing here. And it's a great, great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> and then Stuart has a great line at that point because then he goes oh mclean john mclean the policeman hero who saved the nakatomi hostages i read about you in people magazine you seemed out of your league on nightline though and you know so first of all it it shows that that first of all john is you know he became some sort of uh, overnight superstar because here you have, you know, a uh, powerful uh, army general that knows who John McClane is, you know, and that he's, you know, we also find out that he reads People magazine and and uh, watches Nightline. You know, there's, <laughs> there's, those are important things to know. But, you know, it's if, you know, if, if in our world, you or me or anyone else would, would hear of somebody who saved the day somewhere the odds of you remembering who they were and the connection to you know to where it is you know and also i mean lorenzo just said mclean he didn't even say john mclean 
Right. You know, he goes, McLean. Oh, well, if it's McLean, then there's only one McLean that it could be. You know, it, it must be. I mean, Stewart did bump into him earlier in the movie. Maybe at this point, you know, it hits him uh, of who he was talking to. You know, that that's possible. But uh, I don't well, know. Like, you can imagine him sort of putting two and two together and realizing that, um, you know, losing his team wasn't part of his his plan, and that there is a there is a fly in the ointment, and somebody inside is doing a really good job of, of screwing things up. And then he hears McLean, and um, you know, as you said, he could put two and two together. Yeah, but no, it's, also... it's plausible. It's just very funny that 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 yeah. that that he's honing in on that name and and that experience. Unless for you know for for Stewart, it was somehow. Uh, a momentous day for him to hear, you know, on the day that he heard about this. And that's why it re he re was re reminded about it. You know, I, right. I, I don't know. You know, or, or at, at this point in, in that universe, do groups of terrorists planning nefarious things, do they, uh, do they try to work up uh, John McClane contingency plans? You know, what if we have a John McClane in the mix in our scenario, just like they did at Nakatomi and right. I don't know. I'm stretching all over the place here because I'm trying to give him the benefit of every bit of the doubt. And really it was, you know, this is some exposition that tells us that people have heard of him. Right. You know, his he was on Nightline. So even even Colonel some Stewart, degree of notoriety. That's right. Even Colonel Stewart has heard of him, you know. So, right. all right. What, what do you know about People Magazine? Know anything about it? Uh, people Magazine? Yes. Yeah. Um, not a great deal. I think uh, I think I remember my mom subscribing probably in the early early eighties, and uh, let's see, they do their you know sexiest person alive covers or did. Um, beyond that, I'm gonna kick back and let you enlighten me. Okay, do you do you, do you have any idea what year it, it uh, debuted? No, I don't. Okay, it debuted on February twenty fifth, nineteen seventy four. Um, okay. So I, I was a month and a half old when it debuted. <laughs> I I didn't probably didn't read any of those uh, articles at the time. And uh, by uh, 2009, their readership was up to 46.6 million adults, and they had the largest audience of any American magazine. And then uh, in 2018, the readership uh, declined to 35.9 million. Uh, you know, obviously because people read less, uh, uh, magazines these days than they, than they did back then. Um, you know, I, I don't have, I mean, they, they obviously have a website and you can go, uh, you know, check out things on their websites, but it's just not the same as, you know, when you would get your weekly people magazine and, and, uh, read it over. Uh, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so. You know, and they they have a whole bunch of different types of of uh, uh, you know shoot offs of it that they were trying to get people uh, more connected to it. You know, they had teen people, and uh, you know, but they're mostly known for the the idea of you know their celebrity photos and and stories about celebrities, which I guess is borderline of of uh, like inquirer type of information, but. You know, it, they, they try to be a little more real with the stories that they tell there. You know, they talk about famous people, but also, I guess, people like John McClane. I always remember People magazine being on a very different level than the uh, than the true newspaper tabloids like uh, National Enquirer and Weekly World News. I mean, it wasn't uh, 
you know, uh, serious, uh, respectable journalism by any stretch of the imagination, but it was, it was generally considered, you know, believable and, and plausible, you know, they didn't have, uh, bat boy on the cover. Right. Uh, like exactly. The World News was, was famous for. That's right. An alien is having my baby type of things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's, let's move along to Nightline. What do you know about Nightline? I am a picture Ted Koppel, I think it was on ABC, maybe. Yes, it was ABC. That is correct. ABC. ABC. One of the ABC. big three. ABC. Okay, I was right the first time. Right. And and uh, beyond that, no idea when it uh, when it started or how long it ran. Yeah. So they, they it started in uh, in 1980, and Ted Koppel was was the it, it was it was a news program that that went into in depth uh, you know interviews and stories about things that were going on around the world. It started uh, uh, right after the Iran uh, uh, crisis, you know, the, the, the Iran hostage situation in 1979. So in 1980, right at the beginning, it started it. And then uh, the Ted Koppel remained the, uh, the anchor till uh, 2005 when he, uh, when he retired. And you know he had a lot of interviews with some, some people that it was, they were their first like big, interviews uh where they were able to to, you know where he was able to to get some some you know i guess uh juicy information about things that go on around the world and stuff like that came in 2005 by three different people there were three anchors that were that were doing it all at the same time uh martin bashir and uh cynthia mcfadden and uh and i mean it it, and terry moran moran so I, I find it really interesting that, you know, you take one person who's been doing a show for 25 years and you replace them with three different people because you just can't reach the same right. level. You know, so. Yeah, that was a remarkable career. Yes, it really was. And uh, yeah, so it was it was a and Nightline is is something that uh, as, as far as I know, it's still going. Yeah, it's still going. It's been going around for over, over 40 years. The even in 2020, they had Ted Koppel uh, make a guest appearance. And uh, yeah, still still going along. And then, so John has a, a quick that he gives right at the end of this minute, where he says, "Hey, Colonel, blow me." And you know that's pretty much how the the minute ends, <laughs> right. which is a typical uh, John McClain response. Do you think? Okay, here I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of a test that you're going to get the answer to in just uh, two minutes from now, but do you think that that line is in the script or do you think it was something that was ad-libbed by, uh, by Bruce Willis? No, that's a good, uh, a good question. <clears throat> I kind of want to think it was, uh, it was ad-libbed because, you know, Willis just inhabits this character so easily and so comfortably that uh, um, that's going to be my, my guess. And I know I will be, uh, if I'm not right, I, I will be a. Uh, I will have chosen second place. Exactly. You're, you you got a fifty-fifty chance on this one, so so you 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 have a good shot. You have a good shot. Yeah, a better chance than winning the lottery. How's that? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So the the script has uh you know uh, a few minor changes. Uh, mostly, once again, it goes into the descriptive nature of the whole thing. So we have you know Con Garber and Stewart talking, 
and they say the, pretty much the exact same thing. And then it says, he, uh, right after Stewart says the line, it says, he comes to his decision, picks up the phone, speaks, voice, flat, firm, stern, around and above him. His men hover over the improvised screens and terminals. Now, remember, there are only six guys that are hovering around him. <laughs> you know, but, the, but the, the script makes it sound like there's a whole army that's, uh, that's around him. Um, and as he's talking, it says, uh, uh, in the control tower, that they are listening, fearful. And then Stewart says, you've wasted lives and time on, on a futile and obvious target. As opposed to, the, the difference is, you know, he says, and precious time, as opposed to just time. I think precious time is actually better, the way he says it in the movie. Right. And then they, and then uh, it, it shows McLean. And it says, they hear this too, over Barnes' cellular tie into the tower. McLean grabs it, you know, he grabs the phone, basically. And then he says about the five dead officers, which continues, you know, uh, the same way in the movie. And then it says, this interchange is broadcast here. Lorenzo shouts into the phone, McLean, keep out of this. You, he stops, seeing the chilling look Trudeau is giving him. And then it says, Stewart has reacted to both the mention of his name and of McLean's. His brow furrows. Ah, yes. McLean, John McLean, the policeman hero who saved the Nakatomi hostages. I read about you in People magazine. You seem out of your you seemed out of your league on Nightline, though. And then John's response is very differently. Is very different. He says, Yeah, Colonel, we were both famous for five minutes. So you get canned by Congress on TV, and then the rest of it will, will continue with tomorrow with the way that he says it. So you were correct that the the line "blow me" was uh, ad libbed by uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, terrific! Yeah. So you see, you get points uh, for that. Got to win one once in a while. There you go. There you go. There you go. All right. So every Tuesday, I have a segment called Disaster Tuesday, and this is uh, basically because we're talking about a movie that has a plane crash. Uh, which we will talk more in depth about uh, next week and maybe even in two weeks from now. But uh, so what I decided to do is I, I have a segment where I talk about some famous uh, air disasters that, that that happened that were connected to some uh, real people. And I normally only choose one, but because Hal is the aviation guy on this show for the season, uh, I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about three different people, but we'll go one at a time. So the first one we're going to talk okay. about, do you, do you know someone by the name of Ralph Johnston? Have you ever heard that name? Well, it's familiar. But we can't say I can place it. Okay. So Ralph Johnston uh, was the first American to die while piloting an aircraft that crashed. Okay. He, oh, interesting. He, so he and our... This T Thomas uh, Selfridge was the first person to die... To first military person to die in an airplane uh, airplane crash, but he was a passenger. Mm, okay. So, but I didn't know that about uh, right. Ralph so this Johnson. happened in 1910. I don't know what what year uh, uh, the, the the guy you mentioned uh, died, but this was in 1910. Um, he and Archibald Hox, Hoxie were known as the Heavenly Twins because they were trying to break altitude records. They they both actually worked for the Wright Exhibition Team. And uh, he, uh, two months, uh, three months before he, he died, he actually survived a different crash in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And then he, uh, he was part of the International Aviation Tournament, which happened on October 27th, 1910 in Elmont, New York. 
and they were offering $3,700 for the person who got the highest altitude, another thousand for the, for if they broke any world record and 5,000 bonus for exceeding 10,000 feet. Um, and he reached uh, 8,471 and, and then, uh, he died on November 17th, 1910 in Denver in an air crash. He was flying a model B and, uh, they basically show that, uh, the, the wing got damaged on a previous landing and he, he didn't repair it properly. He superficially repaired it and the, the wing collapsed during flight and therefore he plunged to his death in front of a, a whole crowd that, that came to, to watch the air show. I mean, think about it. It was 1910. There weren't that many people flying at right. that point. This was, you know, this was really something, uh, you know, to see. So the next person that I'm going to talk about is actually, I'm not even, I'm going to see if you know the name of the person. Okay. In 1966, there was a T-38 that crashed that had two famous people on it. Any idea? And it crashed in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, man. St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, um, I'm going to give, I'll give you a hint. It, it was featured to, to in, the, it was featured in the first episode of From the Earth to the Moon. Earth to the Moon. Um, I know it was two, uh, it was two astronauts. I think it would have been uh, Gemini or Gemini, if you prefer astronauts. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the names. I think it was Elliot C. One That's of them? correct. Elliot C. Okay. I don't think I'm going to get it. And the other one was Charlie Bassett. Ah, okay. All right. Um, and, uh, they, they were, they were flying, uh, to, uh, to St. Louis and they, they, they crashed along the way and they actually crashed into the McDonald aircraft building, uh, which is where they were, uh, assembling the, their Gemini nine aircraft that they were supposed to go up, uh, go up on. Right. Um, Alan Shepard, uh, headed the, uh, investigation on it and, uh, they found that there were, uh, uh, aircraft maintenance problems that, and, and that the weather was not, uh, not very good that day. And they, they basically, uh, you know, the, the cause of the crash was uh, pilot error. That's what they basically said. And because of them, uh, Thomas Stafford and Eugene Cernan were moved up to the primary position in Gemini nine. Uh, which allowed Jim Lovell and Buzz Aldrin, uh, you know, uh, take over Gemini 10. Um, yeah, that was a, a fateful thing, wasn't that's it? That's correct, because they say that without um, Buzz Aldrin having the Gemini experience, he probably would not have been put on Apollo 11. Man, amazing. You wonder why why, why and how things work out like that's that. That's correct. That... Uh, it was just about exactly 20 years after that T-38, uh, the astronaut crash. Um, I lost a very good friend of mine in college who uh, um, was a, a couple of years ahead of me, and he was he was flying a T-38 somewhere. Oh, he was in the southwest, I would guess, maybe Luke Air Force Base. And uh, uh, there was a bird strike, and it came right through the canopy and, oh, wow. and killed him immediately. And, you know, that's... Uh, Aviation is one of those things that uh, it's one of the most, you know, enjoyable, fun, beautiful, remarkable uh, things we can do. But but, you know, if it if it ends, it ends very abruptly and very, very brutally, Correct. even for people with uh, a lot of experience. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, and then the final one that I wanted to mention is it happened on October 5th, 1967. Um, C.C. Williams. Do you know who that name is? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I don't think I do. Okay, so C.C. Williams was actually the uh, the third member of the original Apollo 12. Oh, okay. again, from the Earth and Moon talks a lot about this. It's it's mentioned. Right. You know, yeah. Alan Bean talks about it that that he wasn't supposed to be there, but because CC uh, crashed, so he was flying from right another T thirty eight. That's crash, right. right. He was flying from Cape Canaveral yeah. to Houston, and he stopped. He was stopping off in Mo in Mobile, Alabama, to visit his father who was dying of can cancer, and uh, he apparently had a mechanical failure caused by the aileron controls. Yeah, you you know what that is. I don't. Um, it caused the alien aileron controls to jam on his T thirty seven near Tallahassee, and uh, you know it it the the plane dove straight down and crashed, and he was actually able to uh, eject, but he ejected at uh, fifteen hundred feet, and uh, apparently he was too close to the to the plane when it exploded. And uh, you know when oh, it crashed, wow. and he was he was also uh, incinerated uh, when uh, you know because he was landing right behind there. So they they actually have a right. a memorial for C.C. Williams, uh, and on the Apollo 12 patch, they actually have an extra star for him because he was supposed to be the one uh, who was supposed to be there. Oh, wow. And they 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 put his uh, naval aviation wings and his silver astronaut pin. Uh, on the lunar surface in his honor. That's what uh, Alan Bean did when, when he was there on Apollo 12. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that part uh, I remembered. I didn't think I could have told you about the the patch and the extra star. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering or if anybody is, uh, is curious, ailerons on an airplane are what control uh, movement along we call the roll axis. So you move in three dimensions. And uh, if you put your arms straight out uh, like you're pretending to be an airplane and then you tip one way or another, put your you know, left arm down and your right arm up, that's banking or rolling, and that's the ailerons of the control surfaces on the wings that, uh, that lets you do that. Very cool. All right. Thank you for that information, Hal. So, Hal, you want to tell people once again how they can get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, you can always uh, catch up with the Rocketeer Minute uh, podcast. Uh, uh, the movie's 109 minutes, uh, so it should mean 109 episodes, but we've done several extra ones. Uh, after the fact, and uh, there are probably more in the future. Um, but you can find that at rocketeerminute.com or any of the places you normally get podcasts. Uh, if you want to hear uh, my colleagues and I that uh, share hosting duties on a podcast, you can listen to uh, The Green Dot, which is put out by the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. You can find those episodes uh, all the same places, uh, or you can go to inspire.ea.org and click on podcast and find them all there. And uh, we've had a, a, a great time talking uh, with uh, celebrities, astronauts, test pilots, uh, in, in designers, uh, you name it. It's been, uh, it's been absolutely terrific. A um, couple of Apollo guys have joined us. And uh, it's always, uh, always fascinating to talk to. So you can find uh, more of me, both of those places. All right. Very cool. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Your Minute. You can find me on my website, moveyourminute.com. You can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Twitter. So how you feel like uh, coming back again tomorrow? Absolutely. Let's keep going with this. We got more to All talk right. about. Excellent. 
Yes, we definitely do. Uh, so, until tomorrow, yippee kaye. Yippee kaye. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and